Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This episode is being recorded live from Shop Talk in Las Vegas on Tuesday, March 21st. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and hey, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Jason, how's your voice doing? You're, you're uh, pretty hoarse. Uh, I am doing awesome. I am uh, increasing the level of difficulty at the the triple industry event here of Shop Talk, Adobe, IBM by adding laryngitis to the mix. Good, good. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's a good time for it when you're having to go to three things. Luckily, I'm only doing four presentations here. So, <laughs> well, listeners, one of the topics we've really wanted to cover on the show, but we haven't been able to get to yet, is international e-commerce and cross-border trade. With today's guest, we're going to get there in a big way, and we're starting out in South America. Today on the show, we have Leandro Suarez, who is the head of marketplaces at Mercado Libre. Mercado Libre, and I, I just call it Meli because uh, that's their stock symbol. So if you uh, if you wonder why, and it's easier to say than Mercado Libre, uh, it's a publicly traded company, and the symbol is M E L I, which is Meli. In 2016, Meli processed over eight billion dollars in GMV across 174 million active users and generated 30 percent year-over-year revenue growth between 2015 and 2016. So if we use the benchmark here in the U.S. of e-commerce growing 15%. It's pretty widely well uh, known that, that South America, and specifically Brazil, is, is you know kind of lapping us at least twice. Uh, uh, Meli runs uh, local marketplaces in Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, Venezuela, and many other countries in South America. Brazil's the largest and grew revenue. Uh, Jason, are you sitting down? 61% year over year. So if we use that 15% benchmark, that's a solid four times the U.S. growth rate uh, that at least Mercado Libre has enjoyed. Leandro, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for record, uh, receiving me here in Las Vegas. So I really enjoy your show. Let's, be, let's say at first that I am a huge fan of the show. And I, I, I would take this opportunity to talk with everybody else about South America and international e-commerce as well. Cool. And I think you you win the award for longest travel to be on the show. So you came from Sao Paulo, right? Yes. It is a 16 hours flight. Yeah, that's Plus definitely five, the winner. Four hours difference. So it's yeah, awesome. And we appreciate you making the trip to be on the show. Yeah, it's a coincidence that you're able to go to a trade show. I know you mainly came here to be on the show. So we're very grateful. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, so we always like to, so as you know, we like to hear people's background and how their career led them to the whole big, beautiful world of e-commerce. Um, tell us how you got pulled into e-commerce. Okay. Uh, I am I am engineering by background, and I have after that, I have a master's of science in physics, so this, and I work for a consultant, so it's quite, it's, it's not exactly a straight line how I came to e-commerce. And uh, when I started in the company, in fact, I, I worked for McKinsey. And when I was like my very first project in McKinsey was about e-commerce. It's like back there in 2000 and the people talking about e-commerce, I just like finished my master's degree in physics. So for me, it's really hard to understand e-commerce because I, I, I have a lot of equations in physics, like Maxwell equation. It's really hard to understand, but you're worried it's about quirks, not yeah, like how do you get a book to, to someone quickly. Yeah, it's supposed to be easy to understand economics, like revenues minus costs minus expenses. 
that's the, how you make money. And I ask the people how they make money, and the people, it's really hard to say, oh, you know, that I have a lot of opportunities, but I, I, the cost is right there. I can see clearly, but the revenue is not exactly there. So for me, that's, that's my first entrance in the e-commerce. After that, I worked for McKinsey for a while. Uh, I worked for a bank in Brazil. And uh, I work, uh, I came to US for Wharton Business School. Mm-hmm. And I come back to Bain Company, that is another consulting firm. And I, I finally, I get Mercado Libre in the, uh, five years ago. So basically, my background is a consulting and uh, I'm in e-commerce in the last five years. Cool. And what's your, your role at Mercado Libre? I am I'm responsible for the marketplace in Brazil. Uh, Mercado Livre, they have several business. Uh, marketplace is the most important one, and Brazil is the major market. And, uh, and that's, that's my role uh, in, in Mercado Livre. And uh, I've always perceived that Mercado Libre was uh, exclusively a marketplace. Uh, are there any other models or it's? Uh, it's the major uh, model. It's marketplace, but in Mercado Libre, it's, it's a full ecosystem for e-commerce. Uh, we have marketplace. Uh, we also have a payment solution that we call Mercado Pago. And we have a shipping solution that call Mercado Envios. And we also have uh uh, e-commerce platform. Uh, we have a uh, advertising platform, and we also have a back office platform for uh, paying. For, it's not pay for payment, but process the orders uh, in the back end from the e-commerce. So we have a, a full ecosystem for uh, uh, for our cl- for our clients. And is it all B two C? Is there any like peer to peer or B two B? We have we start as peer to peer. So Mercado Libre start. In '99, so it's almost eight years eight years ago. As a peer-to-peer user products uh, auctions, that's our model. In uh, eighteen years ago, we we evolved from that. We still have some peer-to-peer, uh, but mostly it's B2C. Approximately two thirds is B2C. Uh, we have user products that is approximately ten to fifteen percent, but most of our, uh, of our product it's new products sold by professional sellers. Cool. So before we dig into some of the Mercado Libre stuff, give us kind of the lay of the land, land of South America. Um, I mentioned that uh, Brazil is, is, you know, seems to be the largest and fastest growing of the markets, but, but how do you, you know, so for listeners that are probably based in North America, how should they think about the South America market? Uh, that's, that's a good point because most, mostly the people, uh, when, uh, from the United States, when we see a Latin America, they imagine it as a region. It's a single region, but it's not, in fact, it is not a single region. It's a lot of small country. They have a lot of difference between culture, uh, local laws and et cetera. It's not a, as you add, it's a lot of state that you can connect easily. So basically it is. All different markets. Brazil it is the largest one, and uh, and it's growing fast and double digit, except for this year that we have a single digit growth. But uh, we are uh, Brazil approximately a third of the market. But major market is Brazil, Mexico, and Argentina, and we have several different uh, solutions in every country. For example, uh, in in Argentina, it's very common. You ship uh, your product not directly f- to the house, but you you ship directly to a carrier branch. 
that's very common in the market. It's how the people do that. So you need to have this solution uh, uh, for your e-commerce locally. Uh, we have some markets the people pay cash on delivery, especially Peru and, and Colombia. You have, it's more common uh, cash on delivery. Uh, we Mexico, we have a very low penetration uh, of internet, credit cards. So people, uh, it's more... Uh, if you compare Mexico with other countries, the penetration of online sales compared to retail sales, it's, it's, it's a little bit lower, even in the region. So, so we, the market, they have different, uh, how can I say, uh, maturity. Mm-hmm. Brazil, Brazil is uh, probably the best developed country, but even in Brazil, we have... 60% penetration of internet in, in Brazilian population. That's mean that it's almost 40% of the Brazilian never uh, enter the internet once in a lifetime. So, so <laughs> we have a huge opportunity. Kind of growth left to happen. That's one of the interesting things to me about the South American market is when you look at the, the internet penetration, to your point, it varies widely by countries. I mean, there's a lot of c- countries that are in the like below 50%, you know, I think even as low as 30%. And then uh, some of the countries are at like 90%, which is higher than the U S. Yeah, that's, that's exactly true. It's, it's why uh, at South America it's not exactly one region. They have several differences between countries. It varies a lot from country to country and in uh, the market, it's very local. So the players that, uh, are competing in Brazil. It is not exactly the same players that are competing in Mexico and Venezuela and Argentina. So that's that's the point. You need to understand uh, all the countries and all the differences. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution. Yeah, I know. Um, so I read all the Wall Street stuff uh, that, that gets published about you guys, and what drives all the analysts crazy is you have so many marketplaces, and they're all very distinct, and they have different currencies. And in South America, the currencies fluctuate. We're not used to that here in the U.S., but you know, you have uh, you know these these wild spikes in inflation and deflation and that kind of thing. That must that must make it hard to to manage the marketplaces too. And that's kind of why they're all separate because, you know, are, are they all pesos or is Venezuela a peso? They, do they call it a peso? I know it's yes. a different peso. So all these, you know, that peso versus the Brazilian, uh, you know, currency, you know, that ratio can swing, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60%. Yeah. Constantly. It's, it's why typically uh, we announce our results at local currency because in, in which currency, like, <laughs> Every country they have their own, so we make a basket and compare the local currency. Because even in dollar terms, uh, you have some years that we grow a lot, but in dollar terms, it's not that much mm-hmm. because uh, the currency devaluate in the regions or it's varies by country from country by country. So uh, it's really hard to compare in dollar. And as we are trading here in US. Uh, they have a lot of fluctuation. So basically what we do is we sh- we check the number more uh, in local currency and to sell item. That's so if if the items are sold so better it's better so it's at least it is stable to compare. Yeah, yeah, versus GMB and dollars. GMB, because the GMB, in dollar terms they can fluctuate a lot. Yeah. How about um so Brazil was re- relatively stable from a currency standpoint for for a long time and it seems just recently um, there was some political turmoil and things like that. And now its currency has kind of started to 
uh, go a little crazy. Is that right? Yeah, it's recovering uh, compared to you to dollars yeah. this year. We have uh, in 2015 uh, the Brazilian reais uh, devalued a lot and then recovered somehow uh, a little bit in 2016. Uh, but Brazilian economy it's large and it's less. They fluctuate in the last and the terms like basics it's stable. So we have a control inflation, we single-digit inflation, uh, we have a lot of sports and imports, so the economy, it, it's, it's, it's doing well, let's say that way. Uh, that is different from the political side, so we have a lot of yeah. political issues in the country that, of course, they reflect an economy, but uh, uh, it's much more on political side than economy, real economy, let's say that way. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've, you know, I always pe know, think people know this, but uh, it's better not to assume it. So uh, you have two kind of languages in South America. You have Spanish, you have Spanish Latin America or Spanish South America, and then you have Portuguese. So Brazil is the only country in there that's Portuguese, which is kind of interesting. So then not only do you have to have all these different kind of marketplaces with different uh, currencies, but now you have a language component and they all have different shipping and payment kind of things. Exactly. So Brazil is the only one that speaks Portuguese and uh, the other countries speak Spanish. They have difference between the Spanish from the north of the South America and the south of the South mm, America. Okay. But basically, you can handle this. Uh, for example, uh, we have two uh, customer centers. One for Portuguese, that's basically for Brazil. Another one is for Spanish that we can hold in several countries. So uh, actually, nowadays, it's more concentrated in Argentina and Uruguay, but you can serve all Spanish uh, countries from one single point. So that's, that's make easier. But I have two languages that is, and, and the people, it, it's, from the people that's looking abroad, it sounds like similar, but it's not exactly as similar as supposed to be. Yeah. Given that there are so many different markets, is there very much cross-border trade amongst all those countries? So like, does a seller list in one country and then you're able to expose their inventory to other countries that get it via cross-border trade or... Is each of your businesses in each country pretty segmented? Yeah, we have a, each country, uh, we have your own business. We have, as I said before, we have several business. We are not a full ecosystem in every country. In Brazil, we have a full ecosystem, but we have, uh, for example, Mercado Pago is not our payment solution. It's not in, uh, we are in 18 countries in Latin America plus Portugal, but they are not payment in every country. We have a payment in uh, seven, eight countries. Shipping, we have in five countries. So basically, we, what we do is we start as a marketplace and we build up from the marketplace, adding payment, add shipping, add the other service that we have. So it is not uh, uh, exactly as in, in the same solution. But cross-border trader, it's really hard to uh, send product from one country to other country in Latin America. It's 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 odd when you look at. Uh, at this, but it's much easier to buy a product from China in Brazil than from Argentina. Mm -hmm. That is our neighbor. Uh, it's several reasons for this one. Like it, it, we don't have carrier to transport. The customer is not that easy. Uh, we don't. You need to develop payment solution, cross board payment before cross cross board uh, trade. So uh, what we have more common in, in the region is, is cross-broad from abroad. That's yeah. Abroad means abroad from South America. Basically, uh, China and uh, U.S. So it's much more common than 
inside the countries in Latin America. Cool. Let, let's dig into Brazil. Um, what What are some of the you know, one of the things that's interesting for me about Brazil is the the payment option um, where you pay in installments. What do you guys call that again? And maybe maybe explain why people do that. Yeah, that's that's very Brazilian. Uh, in fact, this came from the eighties. Eighties in Brazil, we have inflation really high. That's mean. I remember when I was young, uh, the inflation is something like thirty percent per month. Oh. So if you don't buy in the very first day that receive the payment it will buy less throughout the month. So I remember I need to go to the supermarket and very first day, I was in the morning with my mom, fill up all the basket, and my, my dad came at afternoon to pay. And if you left this one, like in two days, you can buy less. So the people get used from the 80s to buy an installment that we call uh, no charge installment. Uh, it's very common. And, and the people start to doing this even before a credit card, the people do this with checks. You sign three checks, and when you buy, you let you leave three checks: one for today, one for thirty days, one for sixty days. And That's because you're hedging against the currency. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's a it's a way uh, retailers use to provide discount, uh, but not saying that is that a discount. I facilitate your payment. Mm-hmm. This. Uh, when when we start with the credit card, they become very easy to do this electronically. And now in the e-commerce, it's very common that people pay in 10 to 12 installments uh, with no interest. We have in the Mercado Libre, for example, the people that buy uh, 100 reais, that's something like $30, and pay in 12 months. Mm-hmm. That's That's... Wow. <laughs> then it's very common. Yeah. It's, it's why it's the way Brazilians do. It's very common. If you don't have this option, it's really hard to sell in Brazil. Yeah, Even things, for, things seem expensive. You know, when you're used to three bucks a month, now exactly. you're going to have to spend $30 all at once. It's crazy. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. it's, it's common. Even for a uh, low, uh, low as, uh, average selling price uh, tick, uh, product. So it's very, 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 very common. Another payment that's very common in Brazil that is different from everybody, at least that I have seen in other markets, it's uh, what we call boleto. Boleto is very Brazilian as well. Uh, We have a name that we use because uh, it's like a coupon. It's our our way to do cash in advance. In fact, you generate a coupon. uh, you, You have a coupon and print it out, go to a bank, pay in cash, the bank receive this note. Uh, they notificate you as a retailer that received this money. You send it the product. So, in fact, the bank guarantees somehow uh, that you, you receive the it's money. It's almost like an escrow. We would call that escrow. It, it, it's not exactly an escrow. Okay. Uh, it is. It is a coupon, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. What What we do is for the people that don't have credit card, they can even buy online using. This you, you can go. Uh, you can go to a bank and you can go to the lottery houses in Brazil. We have a lot of lottery houses, and you can pay not uh, yeah, or supermarkets. You What's a lottery need. house? Is that so? That means to us like gambling or you know that kind of thing. Uh, yes, no, that's that's, that's uh, we the lottery is Brazil. It's uh, it belongs to the government. Only the government can do this, mm-hmm. so you can gamble, <clears throat> gambling like lotto or. Okay. Uh, and basically, they have some house that receive the money. They can 
put your in the lottery and they receive money, a pay account, so they evolve over time. It's it's law. It's like a a bank for the people that really don't have a bank. So it's like it's, a prepaid credit card would be here. Yeah, exactly. Would be here. Oh. So it's it's. Workday loans or like mm-hmm. paycheck loans kind of thing. Exactly. This kind yeah. of stuff. You can get money, you can pay your bills, and you can receive this. This. Uh, so you go with the cash, pay, and they notificate us, Mercado Pago, and releasing the product for uh, for the buyer. So it's, it's it, and it's very, very common. It's like 20% of the market done this way. So as a merchant, does this installment plan ever bite you that the customer returns the product before they've even paid for it? Or is there any kind of, you know, it feels like it could be fraudy, you know, there, there no, could be like no, fraud no, that's, that's, that's the way you avoid, avoid fraud because you receive the money, the bank guaranteed they receive the money, yeah. uh, and then you send the product. Right. So, uh, typically what the people, it's very common in Brazil, it's what they do is for every three or four coupon that you print, just one get paid, and then this one is sent around. But uh, you need uh, to reserve. Outside of Wileto, when you have the more, like the $30 over 12 months, uh-huh. is there risk in that one of the customer... Not no, paying. no, no. It's the, kind of the, guaranteed by the credit card company. It's, yes, it, it, yeah. it's guaranteed by the issuer, uh, the, the bank that issued the credit card. And are, are there any digital wallets starting to emerge in Brazil yet, like the Alipays or Apple Pays of the world? Yeah, we we have Mercado Pago. We have Mercado Pago. They transact all uh, the transaction in in, in Mercado Livre. Uh, the total payment volume in Mercado Pago was uh, $7.8 billion wow. in the region. So basically, uh, it's a digital wallet and receive it and, and receive the, the money and release. This is more like a screw account because yeah. what we what we mm-hmm. does is Mercado Pago is not a, a bank. Yeah. What we does is receive the money from the, sell, uh, from the buyer, talk with the seller to send a product, and when the buyer receives the product, we release the money to the seller. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we work as a screw account uh, guaranteeing buyer and seller uh, in the market. Yeah. Yeah. And does uh, Mercado uh, Pablo exclusively use for purchases on Mercado Libra, or are there other merchants that will? Accept no, we it? do ins- uh, we do uh, Mercado Libra and outside as well. So okay. we do, so that's that's why it become a, a most popular. It started on the wallet. marketplace, and then it kind of became sure. just yeah. kind of like Alipay did. Exactly. We started yeah. in two thousand four as Mercado uh, only for Mercado Libra in two thousand ten. Uh, we're released for the market as well, and now we are gaining share, and we have a lot of uh, new uh, features that we we done using it. For example, mobile payment for small mobile POS, mm-hmm. so you can receive the money uh, using a credit card, real credit card, and, and this money go to your account in Mercado Pago. How about a uh, uh, courier or delivery in Brazil? Um, there's Brazil Post, right? Which mm-hmm. is kind of like the equivalent of the United States Postal Service. So it's the, the state-run delivery. Um, then do you have like a UPS, a FedEx kind of a, you know, more a private carrier at all? Or uh, give us a lay of the land on, on delivery. Okay. Uh, in Brazil, the major uh, carrier is the post office, the Brazilian post office. The name is Correios. Uh, and they, this, this is the largest uh, carrier in the market. And the only one that is able to deliver in a hundred percent of the country, so uh, they have a, a, a branch in every city in Brazil. 
so they can deliver everywhere. Yeah. But outside this, you have private companies that can uh, work at... It's more like a courier company for a small package and uh, large cities. So we have uh, really... We, they, this, market is, this market is going up and we have this private company as well. Nowadays, what we saw in the market share should be more or less half is done by Correo and half is done by every other company that we have in the market. So we have we don't have the American companies. That mean we don't have UPS, DHL, FedEx, uh, very strong in Brazil. They have presence, but they are not the major carrier for e-commerce in Brazil. The major carrier typically are Brazilian company. They start to delivery and they grow as a company in Brazil. Yeah. And in Brazil, the you have the, the metro areas, which is Sao Paulo and Rio, are, are there, those are like the two big ones, right? Is there, exactly. uh, and then, uh, uh, what percent of the population lives in kind of a metro area, but then there's like this, you know, vast, uh, real estate that you have to cover. That's kind of, you know, got rainforest kind of in the middle of it. And yeah, that that, kind of thing. Uh, that's, that's the point. Brazil is huge mm-hmm. uh, as a company, but we are concentrated in, in the Southeast. So, uh, if you consider Southeast, that means Sao Paulo, Rio, Minas Gerais, and Espirito Santo, probably we are 6% of the sales is in this region. Got it. But even if you go in Sao Paulo State, Sao Paulo State, you, you have city that is like 600 kilometers from Sao Paulo. And if you consider only Sao Paulo metro areas, should be 15 to 20% of the purchase in metro area. It's different from Argentina, for example. Argentina is much more concentrated in Buenos Aires because you have Buenos Aires that is a huge city and the other cities spread all over the country, but we have a huge concentration in, in Buenos Aires. So it's it's a, a very common that people that have providers that use Moto or uh, everything that you can deliver easily uh, in the city or the people just... I drop off point, you pick it up and the, and the seller because you are around. So it's... Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm in some ways jealous uh, because depot delivery is, po- is popular there. I imagine it's much more... Shipping is more cost effective. It's very expensive to deliver to each individual residence. Um, h- how fast do people expect to get packages in Brazil? Do, are they two-day yeah. delivery? No, that... That varies a lot from region to region. Uh, the, we don't have a standard as U.S. two-day free shipping. Uh, for example, for Sao Paulo, two or three days, it is what the people expected. Yeah. expected. But if you are in the countryside, eight to nine days is very common. And you don't have any other options. So on average in the market, it is seven days. That's the average, but from metro areas, two or three outside, ten. That's but uh, that's a problem. It's not a very very clear standard for the market. Cool. So I think that's a good lay of the land of South America. Any other South America questions? No, no, that's super helpful. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Mercado Libre. You guys. Um, you know, are, are kind of the pretty dominant there. Um, what percent of e-commerce goes through Mercado Libre, um, specifically to Brazil, maybe? Uh, we don't we don't have the numbers uh, open for, for every market, but uh, we have 
between 25 to 30 percent, depend of the market that we are, uh, goes uh, through Mercado Libre. So if you if you look at the numbers, uh, um, if you look at the Comscore, for example, uh, in Brazil, for every four minutes is spent on e-tailers, uh, one minute is spent on Mercado Libre. So we have okay. in audience, we have a quarter. So yeah. the sales, it's more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. That's awesome. Yeah. The... Uh, so it wouldn't be a Jason and Scott show without the Amazon question. So you've you've had uh, a long, you know, uh, uh, you know, a good kind of 10, 15 years without Amazon in the market. There's, I think Amazon opened a Kindle store, right? So they, they have Kindles there. Um, do they sell books in like physical media? I think they do sell physical media, uh, but then they kind of like stopped. So that must have, that must have been good. You guys probably a couple sleepless nights in there wondering where they were going to go. Um and and I've always heard that Brazil and Australia are like the top two kind of dot com Amazon dot com exports is, goes to those two countries. You know what what do you think about Amazon coming to the region? Um, you know how do you guys you feel like you're prepared for that and, and what's that look like? Yeah, we have we have uh, Amazon competing in the region uh, in Brazil. As you said, they have but um, they have books basically and Kindle, mm-hmm. and they sell as first party uh, in Mexico, and they are more uh, they have more business in Mexico. They are competing, but uh, you know that we feel that we are prepared to compete with everybody else. It's not exactly player one player or other player. Uh, what we have done in the last three to five years, it's what we call. Uh, enhanced marketplace. That means it's not only the marketplace, but it's the marketplace, the payment, the ship solution. So we have a full uh, package of solution and we always look at the customer. We use NPS, Net Promoter Score. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a BAME methodology and we track our customers in not only the customer that buy with us, but the customer in every touch point. For example, in the customer service, we track, we listen, and we improve, always thinking about what this customer is looking for. So uh, in that that way, uh, we feel that we are very comfortable to compete with any players uh, in the market. We have, in fact, we have several strong players in every country that we are. So... Yeah, for a while, eBay was one of your investors. They owned like 19% of, of Melly, and then they divested of that like three years ago, three or four yeah. years ago. And last year. Last year, sorry. And uh, there was a lot of speculation that they were going to compete with you. And they did like one of their kind of you know facade-type stores, but it doesn't seem to have much traction. Um, so there's, you know, do you worry about eBay coming in the market too? Yeah, the eBay, basically, uh, they sell in the region using cross-border trading, selling directly from... Uh, other countries, but uh, we believe uh, eBay they have basically the same business model as we we have. But for example, uh, we have one of our uh, topics that we are investing in our initiatives. It's build what we call official store. Official store is for brand to sell uh, in Mercado Libre. Could be a brand or retailer. And we have, and in Chile, we have a eBay official store. So we we partner with eBay so they can list the product inside Mercado Livre and sell directly using our demand. That's what we, we have in the region. So 
it's kind of like when Amazon started selling on Tmall. They kind of you know, tacitly admitted that, hey, there's a bigger audience here than we have on our marketplace. We'll sell Kindles on Tmall, kind of a yeah. This is thing. probably yeah. probably the kind of uh, deal that we have. We have the audience, and basically, uh, we use for a very specific long tail kind of product. Much it's much more to increase the assortment that we have in the, the marketplace. Cool. Um, just one one thing. Um, so uh, the payment stuff, I think, you know, the ecosystem you've built is interesting. Um, Alipay is actually Amazon in China actually takes Alipay. And that's an interesting thing. So you had to have Amazon kind of say, all right, this is an important payment system. Uh, and that's the only country I'm aware of where they, they actually take a non-Amazon payment system. But then you also had to have Tmall that kind of said, all right, Payments is a thing that's separate enough. We'll let a competing marketplace take it. Would would you guys let an eBay or an Amazon take Mercado Pago? Yeah. Or yes, uh, yeah. for in the, in this partnership that we have in Chile, uh, eBay they receive the money through Mercado Pago. Okay, yes, yeah, so you've already you crossed that. Yeah. If you if you sell on a Mercado Libre, you need to use our payments uh, solution. Yeah, and then what is? Um, tell me more about the logistics fulfillment stuff you guys do. Is that an, uh, is it analogous to FBA? Is you, you're kind of actually building out fulfillment centers and that kind of thing, and sellers can use those, or is it more on the kind of have your own courier network? Yeah, we have we have what we have in in logistics. So it's our Mercado View solution. We have three solutions basically. The solution number one is drop shipping. Uh, you sell your product in Mercado, in Mercado Libre. We generate uh, a label. You print this label. It's prepaid by the carrier. You pack. You make your package and just put the label on it and send to uh, the po- to the post office uh, branch. That's yep. that solution. So you've integrated one. with the carriers. You make it easy. They don't have to go to eight different places. It's tied right in with your seller tools. Yeah, exactly. So yep. they have all. They don't. They don't need to uh, have. A contract, the carrier, we, we solve all the problems on the logistics side. This is the most uh, common uh, that we have. Let's have an idea in Brazil, we have between five to six million orders delivery using this method every month. Mm-hmm. So that's that's our dropship. And we have another one that is an uh, improvement in the dropshipping that we call cross-docking. In fact, what we done is we collect all the product, bring it in to our facility, and then we can deliver it using other carriers. So we can optimize the logistics network. So we can send using other carriers that make it cheaper or uh, faster, or both. Do you do a it's sortation ideal. so that you we know? We do the, all the sortation. Okay. So we sort. Uh, we have a system that decide on this route it's better to send using this carrier mm-hmm. because it's cheaper and this one for this one so we can uh, improve the network. So uh, we have the solution in Brazil and, and Argentina. And the fulfillment uh, that in fact what we kept the product, uh, the product, we make the storage, picking, packing, all the logistics mm-hmm. including the distribution. We have the solution in Mexico. So basically, we have the dropshipping in all the markets, in five markets, and we have uh, cross-dock in Brazil and Argentina and fulfillment in, in Mexico. So, so if you have five million packages a month in dropship, in how drop many shipping. are in cross-dock and how many are in The penetration is lower. It's lower. The penetration yeah, okay. so and other, it's lower. We, we just, ah, we, it's a newer. I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to understand a little bit more 
um, about how brands view uh, the marketplace. Uh, in the U.S., there's certain brands that are really hesitant to sell on Amazon. Um, you go to China, and generally, the, everybody's thrown in the towel. Like pretty much any brand's willing to be on Tmall. Do, uh, do luxury brands are they happy to be on Mercado Libra? Are they weary of of would they rather sell direct from their own website as opposed to selling on your site? Yeah, this is one our one of our key initiatives. We start this like 2014, I think so, 2014 uh, to invite brands to sell on Mercado Libre, and we have a completely different environment. They have uh, your URL, they have background, they can use your logo, they can use all your way to communicate with your client. Uh, and so this is start back there in 2014. And now we have, um, in Brazil, we have 500 uh, brands. In, in, in the region, we have more than 3,000 brands that it's selling in Mercado Livre. So this is, this is really, uh, it's increasing a lot and one of our key initiatives. At the beginning, we have uh, two major barriers, let's say that way. One barrier, it's uh, branding. That's me. Uh, my brand, your brand, uh, it's your logo, it's my logo, it's we have our color is yellow, we put on yellow on my brand, and so that's discussion, but it's discussion is being, uh, I believe we We, we come over this, uh, this discussion because basically uh, since the competitor start to sell and the other one, okay, let's go, let's go, and, and they start. Uh, the luxury brand probably is the last one to, to get in. And the second one is integration. It's really hard, so we have Scott here that's an expert on, <laughs> on the subject. That's integration, for, especially for brand. Yeah. It's really hard because they are not prepare it to sell online directly. Sure. So they have your channels, they have uh, other options, but directly it, it could be a, a, a really important issue. And maybe the third one that happened uh, sometimes it is you have a conflict, a channel conflict between your traditional wholesaler partners. And this is typically an issue uh, as well. But uh As we see, uh, as we saw in the last three years, they are coming more and more frequently and start selling and take traction. So we we believe that's it's really important in the future. Got you. And a sort of related question: So in China for Alibaba, if uh, Nike will have their own brand site separate from Alibaba, so they'll have Nike.ch. but they really don't try to sell anything there because that you know they they know the Chinese consumer is is to buy in Tmall. So the, you know, Tmall or Nike.tmall.ch is going to be where they sell. In Brazil, is Nike likely to run ads where they would send customers to Mercado Libre to, to shop or do they try to compete with the marketplace? Yeah, typically what Brent does is it is another, it's another contact with the clients not yep. it's not competing so they're, Probably both. They, they're both they have both channel they they have uh, w once they decide i go to the marketplace they go to the marketplaces so yep. they decide and they announce in every marketplace including your own store uh that's more typical uh when the brands decide to go they go uh and sell directly 
we have some brands that decide to go uh, only for uh, long tail products or for uh, not for the hot items I mean it's not for this collection but for the collection the last year collection especially for apparel so this is This is also a common approach. So they start, when they saw, they start selling, they list everything. So uh, the bulk of our listeners are here in the U.S. and you, you've gotten them really excited about South America. Uh, what should they do about that? Should they think about selling in Brazil? Um, is that hard or easy? Do you guys have anything to help folks kind of um, get into Brazil um, as, as a, as a cross-border trade solution? Um, and then... Um, any other kind of pitfalls or, or, you know, what, what would do really well in Brazil when you, when you're here at a show like this meeting with people and someone says shoes, you're like, Oh no, we're saturated in shoes. Or is there like a huge demand for that kind of thing? So, uh, we have basically, we have a cross board solution, uh, for companies that is in us that you can sell directly from us and, and it's available for Mexico, Chile and uh, Colombia. Yeah. Uh, we are not available now for Brazil. We are redesigning the project to, to launch uh, for Brazil as well. Brazil, they have import tariff that is that make is uh, a little harder to sell when you are outside. Yeah. So if you uh, so if a hundred dollar item gets marked up, at like yeah, ten dollars, a hundred dollars. Typically, the, the import duties in Brazil they double the price. Double. Okay. Plus shipping. So yeah. you have the product plus shipping and then add it up and double. That's for uh, a retailer operation. So it's really, really hard uh, or it's, let's say that it's a premium uh, uh, kind of uh, approach for consumers. So it's really, uh, it's not that easy when you are uh, uh, anywhere. It's, of course, the, there is a lot of product that we don't have in Brazil that people buy uh, from the US, but If you probably, uh, uh, we that's that's why we are trying to to find a way uh, to make it easier, reducing the shipping or make it uh, less impactful. My recommendation is: if you want to be in Latin America, you need to be there. So you need to buy and send your products to uh, to Latin America, and you need to find a partner that help you in the region. And we are able to help a lot of brands uh, to sell throughout every country that we are. So uh, Brazil, Mexico, and Argentina, they are the major markets, but we, it's not the only one. We have a lot of other markets. Eventually, will you be able to build the fulfillment infrastructure so that, that exactly. you know, so someone could send pallets and truckloads and you guys could help them? And then we have all yeah. the operation, uh, all the local operation. That's, that's, that's our idea. Yeah, that's great. Very cool. Well, Leandro, it has happened again. We've blown through all our allotted time. So we want to really thank you for uh, spending some time with us and educating us about the market. Yeah, if folks want to learn more um, about Mercado Libre and South America, what any pointers, like is there a Twitter handle they can follow or a blog, a Mercado Libre blog or anything? Yeah, we have a blog, uh, but... Probably it needs, probably needs to be in English. Any, any <laughs> that's English. that's that that's that's that's. Google translate is your friend when you're learning about these things. Uh, we course. have all the information in Portuguese and, and in Spanish, but you can follow the company uh, using an, an, the, the trade market here in the US. We have a lot of information about Mercado Livre. As the ticker, it's 
M M E L I Mali. Mm -hmm. So we have we can find a lot of information about uh, the company and the business in in the region. Yeah, and if any of you want to get in touch with Leandro, uh, let Jason or I know, and we will connect you. Yes. Uh, we won't put your home phone number on the podcast. So no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that we can't. Yeah, bad things happen. When we do that. Yeah, but you can, I can leave my contact uh, in, in the notes. Uh, it's really hard to spell. It's Leandro Soares at MercadoLivre.com. So uh, I. I, I I can contact everybody else that would Great. like to know about South America. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule and flying so far to be on the Jason and Scott show. We, uh, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate to be here. Until next time, happy commerce. You've been listening to the Jason and Scott show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.